1974, the CIA stole a Soviet submarine without them finding out, and they did it in plain sight. Welcome to American Esoterica. If history class gives you the peanut can, this is the spring-loaded snake inside. The essential stuff in between the personalities, events, and other ephemera that shape our history and culture. I'm Brian Powers. There's a show like this one called World's Greatest Con. And it's hosted by a charming, charismatic, funny, and devastatingly handsome man named Brian. Sound familiar? It's also about interesting historical moments but it hones in on some of the greatest cons in history. From fooling Hitler with Project Mincemeat, to the quiz show scandals of the 50s, to upending parapsychology research with a pair of illusionists, it's a fantastic ride and a deeper dive into some great historical capers. But with all due respect to other Brian, they're missing out on a spectacular con job that not only was successful, but also you know, wildly expensive and years in the making. For my money, Project Azorian may just be the world's greatest con. Our story begins in April 1968. A surge of Soviet boats and planes fans out in the Pacific all at once, and it looks like they're searching for something. What they're looking for is submarine K-129, carrying three nuclear ballistic missiles, which went missing a few weeks prior. The CIA and Department of Defense get wind of it, so they go back through their records and, sure enough, they're able to pinpoint the location of an explosion in early March from a supremely sensitive and sophisticated set of sensors suited to suss out Soviet subs. The Russians don't know where to look, but we do. In July of 1968, the USS Halibut is deployed to find and photograph the wreckage in Operation Sand Dollar, and it does so with aplomb taking thousands of snaps of the wreckage 1,560 miles northwest of Hawaii and over 16,500 feet of water. The CIA now has a clear understanding of the location and condition of the wreckage of K-129. And they want it. They want it badly. It's just sitting there on the ocean floor like a big, beautiful treasure chest just waiting to be opened. They start gaming through scenarios about how to get the good stuff inside because, at this point, the Cold War is going on fairly strongly, but it's also pretty much a stalemate. Getting a look at the other side's material, from the construction of the missiles inside to code books to pretty much anything, would be an enormous advantage. They aren't just going to let it sit there. No, it's too tempting. So the CIA goes full-on Ocean's Eleven, and they plan the perfect heist. Enter Project Azorian. Their advantage is that the Russians basically give up ever finding K-129, so the CIA already has a leg up by knowing its exact location. The disadvantage is that it's not only a massive hunk of metal measuring 132 feet and weighing 1,750 tons, it's also three full miles down. They can't just send someone down to poke around, and robotic units weren't advanced enough. 
so they have to devise a way to retrieve the sub. But even that might pale in comparison with the problem of keeping the whole thing a secret from the prying eyes of the Soviet Union. This is where they come up with maybe their most ingenious solution. And it's the one element that makes the whole thing work. But first, the logistics. Because the CIA is going to do something absolutely bonkers. Their best plan is just insane, but it gets approval all the way up the chain to Resident Richard Melhouse Nixon. They're going to build a massive ship with a giant claw in it that they can lower down three miles, grab the submarine, pull it back up into the ship, and then sail off. To put that in perspective, that's about four-fifths of a mile deeper than the Titanic, which rests at 12,500 feet. It's like the world's most complex arcade crane machine, or as the CIA blog puts it, it's like you're at the top of the Empire State Building with an eight foot wide hook on a one inch thick rope that you then use to lift a compact car full of gold the full height of the building. They're also going to build a huge enclosed barge with a retractable roof that they can completely submerge and slide under the main ship to load the claw into the ship's moon pool. And it's going to take a while because the claw is lowered using 60-foot sections of pipe that are added a piece at a time. For those doing the math, that's about 275 lengths of pipe added to get the full depth. And then the whole thing has to happen in reverse to bring the wreckage back up. They know they can't get away with hiding it. Somebody is going to notice all of this. So they do something remarkable. Instead of hiding it, they do the exact opposite. Needing cover for this massive endeavor, the CIA approaches Howard Hughes about the project. Hughes is many things. A charismatic billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, world-famous celebrity, a la Tony Stark. An inventor with a habit of throwing large chunks of money at random flights of fancy and, most recently, a recluse who had become increasingly secretive about both his personal and professional lives. Hughes is the secret sauce that makes the plan work. In fact, the whole rig was already relying on ship stabilization technology that a Hughes company, Global Marine, had perfected in a ship called the Glomar Challenger. You know, Glomar, Global Marine. They develop a cover story that Hughes is after a new frontier of deep-sea exploration, aiming to mine for manganese nodes that can be found on the ocean floor. And his company was building a ship to do this. Now, they didn't have to hide. Heck, when the ship is completed, they put out a press release and invite the media to the christening, complete with grand speeches about what the newly christened Glomar Explorer will be able to accomplish for deep-sea mining. Everyone sees this as Hughes being Hughes. And even as the press is explicitly banned from seeing the ship actually launch or proceed to testing in Bermuda, they chalk it up to the standard secrecy surrounding a new Hughes project. Nobody questions it. When the massive submersible barge holding the claw, the HMB-1, left port, newspapers wrote stories that tied it to the mining operations, further strengthening the cover story. Once the ship is tested, retested, repaired, and refitted, the whole operation is given final approval to move forward by a shadowy clandestine operations leadership group known as the 40 Committee. Side note, 
I have to believe that this was the American version of the 20 Committee, which oversaw clandestine operations such as Project Mincemeat in Britain. Only this is the American version, so naturally, the numbers doubled. On June 16, 1974, the Glomar Explorer left Long Beach on its intended mission. Things went relatively smoothly. There were problems with the equipment, but the claw, named Clementine, was slowly lowered to the submarine, where it grabbed the vehicle and began to slowly lift it back to the surface. According to the CIA, a problem with the claw caused half of the submarine, the half of the really good stuff, they say, to break off and head back to the seafloor. Still, the mission manages to do the impossible. They retrieved a Soviet submarine from over three miles down, all while the world watched. A couple Soviet vessels even spend an uncomfortable amount of time scrutinizing the Glomar Explorer. The irony is that, after several days of close surveillance, the last Soviet vessel steams away at the same moment the submarine wreckage is pulled aboard the boat. They have pulled it off. It doesn't stay a secret for long, however. A break-in at the Hughes offices not much later leads to an expose of the whole thing, which leads to congressional hearings and an admission from the CIA that they didn't really get anything good since the part of the sub that broke away was what they were really after, and all for the low, low price of 300 million or more in 1974 money. But until the break-in that exposed everything, they had gotten away with it. And here's the thing. This is the CIA saying that the whole mission failed to get the good stuff. They went as far as they did only to tell the world that they failed. There are many who share your skepticism. After all, they stole a Russian submarine and they did it all in plain sight. All in what may just be the planet's best caper. This has been American Esoterica. All sounds were made by me, Brian Powers. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? Just want to have a quote off from the Hunt for Red October? Drop me a note. The address is yell at AmericanEsoterica.com. Thank you for listening, and God bless America. <laughs>